Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Before I go there, I I told this, uh, we had our annual business meeting a few days ago, and I told this um, story, and I want to get more mileage out of it, so... A priest, a rabbi, and a minister are discussing what they do with the money from the collection plate. The priest says he draws a circle on the floor, throws the money up in the air, and whatever lands in the circle, he gives to God. Whatever lands outside the circle, he keeps. The minister explains that he has a very similar method. He draws a circle on the floor, throws the money up in the air, and whatever lands outside the circle, he gives to God, and whatever lands inside the circle, he keeps. I too have a system, the rabbi says. I throw the money up in the air, and whatever God catches, he can keep. (laughs) And um, that is not how we set salaries here at the church, just so you know. We do have a a board of overseers that um, determines those. Anyway, Genesis chapter 1. Did you find it yet? I'm going to read a few segments Actually, quite a big chunk of Genesis chapter one. We're going to skip through several verses, but I'm making a point and I'm, I'm uh, going somewhere with this. But I want to highlight in Genesis chapter one, every time the word, um, every time it says God created something, it says God saw it and it was good. I want to highlight every time that's said. And so this, this will make a point and it's going to be pointing to uh, fathers here eventually. Genesis one, chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Jump down to verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters, uh, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Verse 12 The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Verse 16 God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Verse 21, so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the waters teem and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And last one, verse 25, actually second to last one. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Notice in the first 25 verses of the Bible, every time God created something, every time he made something, he follows up with, he saw that it was good. And then we get to verse 26. It says this, Speaking of man, actually. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them male and female. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living, thing, every living creature that moves along the ground. Okay, so, so far up to this point, it doesn't follow up with immediately saying, God saw it and it was good, okay? But in verse 31, if you jump down to verse 31, God summarizes everything that he had made and this is what he says. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God creates the light. He says it's good. The land is good. The sea is good. The plants are good. The sun, moon, and stars. He says this is good. The sea animals, it's good. The land animals. Then God creates male and female to rule, work, and subdue the earth and to govern everything in it. And God sums it all up with one saying. He sums it all up with one saying. It's all very good. Okay, it's all very good. And today I want to talk to you about when God creates things in his order that the results are always good, okay? His original design, his original purpose is always good. And particularly, I want to hone in on God's original plan, destiny, and design for men and for fathers. The title of my message today is called, It's All Good. You got to call it something, all right? The title of my message is called, It's All Good. Everything God created was good. And I will say this, the role of the father and the mother working together as a unit was and is good. You might find this interesting, but it... um, Before God reaches this grand conclusion at the end of Genesis chapter 1 that it's all good, there was something mentioned that is not good, okay? Now, this actually comes from Genesis chapter 2. He mentioned something that's not good in Genesis chapter 2. But Genesis chapter 2 actually gives you a little more uh, context into Genesis chapter 1, right? It's kind of like a window into Genesis chapter 1, particularly Genesis um, the sixth day. Um, give you an example of this. Have you ever um, watched a movie and you're, you're watching the movie, the movie's going along, and all of a sudden the person has a flashback or a, a memory from their childhood, and the, so the movie kind of cuts away, goes through this memory, and then it comes back to present day. You know what I'm talking about? That's kind of like what Genesis chapter 2 does for Genesis chapter 1. Does this make sense? Okay, so let me, let me read this, and we'll get up to speed, and you'll see where we're going with this. Genesis 2, chapter 4 says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Then the Lord God formed man, I'm sorry, verse 7, we're jumping down. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Verse 15, The Lord God took a man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now watch this, verse 18, first time it's mentioned in the whole Bible. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. It's the first time in the Bible and first time God mentions something that says, this scenario is not good. And he was right. Come on, can I get a witness? <laughs> and of course, Eve is created. I just kind of, I've kind of imagined God, he, like, he forms the animals and the earth, stars, all this stuff. And he's like, okay. Let's make man in our image. He gets the dirt together, breathes the, the breath of life into them. And he takes man. He's like, okay, man, I'm going to place you in the garden here. Um, go do your man thing, whatever that is. And God just stands back and is like, ooh, this is not good. 
It is not good that man be alone. I need, we need to get this boy some help, you know what I'm saying? It kind of reminds me of uh, when I was in my single days. I don't really remember this. My wife tells me this. When she was still watching me from afar, um, she said I used to wear high top hiking boots, socks pulled up, and, and shorts. Summer and winter, apparently. And I don't really remember that, okay? But God, you know, in heaven was looking at that and like, this is not good. This is not good. We need to get this boy some help. Send him a wife. I feel like I'm about to trip over this every time I step here. Okay. We need to get this boy some help, right? So he sends my wife, and she put it into that, like, you know, fashion mess up. She banned that evil behavior. But we see here that there is basically a story within the story. See, before God says, it's all good, he saw a man by himself, and he says, this is not good, okay? There's a story within the story. And I want to say this also. The reverse is also true. It is not good for women to live perpetually separate from masculine influence in this world and this life and for kids to be raised that way. It's important with raising kids and in our culture that both the feminine nature of God and the masculine nature of God are displayed in those roles, in those individuals. In fact, there's a... I saw this video last night. I almost played it, but it would just make you all mad. But there's this video of uh, in this California, um, I guess, government or whatever, and they're they're saying we're no longer going to use gender pronouns. So instead of he and she, we're going to say they from now on. And they're trying to like establish this rule and remove gender pronouns. Listen, muting those differences is not a good idea. Those differences are powerful. Women being women and men being men is a powerful difference that we need in this culture. We don't want to blend those things. We want to value each other and value what God has created them to be. It is not good for culture to only have masculine influence. And it's not good for culture to only have a feminine influence. We actually need both. They're actually both displaying the nature and character of God to this world. At homes and in our culture. And my my question today and what we're going to get into here is, What happens in particular when you remove the influence of fathers from the home? What happens when you remove the influence of fathers from our culture? Um, Chris Vallotton did a a message, I think it's called Restoring Fatherhood, about three months ago, and he listed some statistics. I'll I'll, I'll read some of them here, and I checked them myself and found them as well. Um, So just know if you hear that message. Yes, I'm ripping part of it off. Okay. So... (laughs) You know, I'll, I'll use a quote from someone here and there, but if you're using a whole chunk, you should probably give them credit so people don't think you don't write your sermons or something like that. But now listen, my intention for sharing these statistics, it's not to, um, it's not to condemn anyone, it's not to scare anyone um, who's a single parent. My goal is to empower all of us to help bring fatherlessness to an end in our culture and in our world, okay? To empower all of us to break the cycles of fatherlessness. All right, so I'm not just talking about to males here. I'm not just talking about fathers here. I'm talking to all of us today. <clears throat> and if you're if you're a dad here, and maybe maybe you're like an eight out of ten dad, 
My goal today isn't like to get you to be a nine, you know, although that's great. If you leave here and you're a nine, you realize your influence is so important, awesome. My goal is to actually empower us. What if we became fathers to our city and fathers to the world around us and not just fathers to the people who live in our house, right? I believe that is what God has called us to be is not just fathers to the kids living in our house, but to be fathers to, to, the, to this city and to this world. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses um, 14 through 16, it says this. Paul says this, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians, some translations say teachers, even if you had 10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Paul is saying there's something, there's something else. There's something more than just giving people information, right? There's something more than just teaching or, or, or watching over. There's something about fathering. And Paul even said to the Corinthian church, you don't have many fathers among you and you need many fathers. You need many fathers. This role is so crucial and important in our society and in our world. And I will say to, to the men here, even if you're not a biological parent of someone, there is still a mandate on our lives to father and disciple nations, to father and disciple people in our city. I, mean, I just want to call you higher. Maybe, maybe you're an empty nester and you're like, well, I did my job and I you know, talk to my kids every once in a while and they come over on Father's Day, right? But even if you're an empty nester, I want to say, we need you. We need that influence. We need fathers. We need mentors. We need people who care about this. All right, so I'm going to give a few um, statistics here. Um, go ahead and put up that picture. If you have it, this is um, out of wedlock birth percentage. Do you guys have that one? Boom, there it is. Okay. So this is the one that I could find that go, went back the furthest. This is the 1940s. This is the percent of um, births out of, um, to unmarried mothers. Okay. So in 1940, that rate of, of kids being born to mothers <clears throat> who were not married was about 3%. Okay, 1950s was about four, not even quite five percent in the 1950s, and you could see by the time we get to 2015, which as far as this went, it went up to 40, up over 40 percent in 2015. Okay, this alone is like a staggering number. Whether you think that's okay or not okay, just that's a huge shift in culture over the last 50, 60, 70 years in general, right? That's a huge thing. And by, I don't know, I thought this was interesting too. If you look at you know, 1960 when like the birth control pill was first, first came out and you look at um, 1973 where Roe versus Wade was passed and abortion became a thing, it literally had no effect on the amount of women who were still having children out of wedlock. It had zero effect, okay? So my question is how has fatherlessness affected our society? I know a lot of these women probably went on to be getting married and that kind of stuff, but how has fatherlessness affected our society. So I'm going to just read some, some statistics here. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from a fatherless home, 20 times the average. 80% of um, rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 
75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. And 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average of culture. It's a huge deal. You can see by those numbers, it's a huge deal. Even after controlling for income, youths in the father-absent household still, are, still had significantly higher odds of incarnate incarnation, incarceration, there you go, than those in mother-father families. And youths who lived, who never had a, had a father in the picture experienced the highest of all those odds. Okay? Um, in particular, um, daughters of single parents without a father in, um, that were involved are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. Listen to this, 711% more likely to have children as teenagers and 92% more likely to get divorced themselves. Okay, a couple more here. Children with involved loving fathers are significantly more likely to do well in school, have healthy self-esteem, exhibit empathy and pro-social behavior, <clears throat> and avoid high-risk behavior such as drug use, criminal activity, compared to children who had uninvolved fathers. And studies of one-parent uh, uh, relationships and child well-being show that Father, um, the father's love is an important factor in predicting social, emotional, and cognitive development and functioning of children and young adults. All right? It's huge, huge. It makes it, so is it important? It's, it's crucial. It's a, it's a very big and drastic difference. Okay? <clears throat> and the problem with all of these statistics is that they have a negative feedback cycle. They have a propensity to perpetuate this problem and to make this problem worse. And so we've seen this curve of fatherlessness, and it looks like it did kind of plateau out a little bit the last few years, which is a good thing. I'd be curious to see why that is. But it tends to perpetuate itself, because if you don't have a father in a home who teaches sons and daughters how to treat a wife, for example, he's not going to know how to do that himself. He doesn't have a mentor himself to know how to treat women, okay? So... <clears throat> It's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says this. But evidence also suggests that it's not good for families and culture to not have fathers involved in it. And so my question, my question today is, what does, what does revival look like? Right? Ben, ben preached a message on this a couple weeks ago on what revival looks like. I want to add something to what revival looks like. I think revival includes the restoration of fathers to children and children to fathers. In fact, Malachi, this talks about an end time revival. Malachi chapter four, verses five through six. It says, I, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Okay, this is a prophetic picture of God restoring children to fathers and fathers to children, their hearts turning back towards one another. I think that's a picture of revival. In fact, we see how important that is in the trends of culture and in the trends of things that are going on. That is a huge part. When that begins to happen, the hearts of fathers are turned turn to the children and vice versa. I believe that's revival right there. And God says that's actually a mark of revival in the end times, that there would be a great... Um, incoming or in, um, a, a great increase of fatherlessness and people returning back to fathers and, and fathers to children. 
And it says, lest I come uh, strike the earth with a curse. Let me tell you something. The scourge of fatherlessness is a curse. The scourge of fatherlessness is a curse on our land. It is a curse, okay? And um, you, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm uh, preaching and preparing messages, I like to use the NIV. I use the NIV for a lot of things. In this particular case, I didn't like the way the NIV translated, and I'll tell you why. Go ahead and put up the NIV in uh, Malachi 4, 5 through 6 with the NIV. It says this, He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but my question is this. What does the Hebrew word say? Right? Because if it says parents or family, then I would have saved this for a Mother's Day message. <laughs> I would have saved this message for Mother's Day if that was the case. If you look at the Hebrew word there, it says fathers. Okay? It's not saying that's important, I'm sure, that the hearts of the children be turned back to their families. But specifically, God's placing an exclamation point on that and saying it's specifically fathers that need to turn back to the children and children to their fathers, okay? That particular word occurs over a thousand times. I think it's 1,200 in the Old Testament. And I was scrolling through it last night and I, I think I looked at 200 references. I have, I have yet to find it translated as anything other than father, okay? So it's the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to the fathers, not necessarily families, Okay? And if the Hebrew says it's father, that's probably an important thing for us to remember, right? Come on, guys, that's an important thing. <clears throat> so men, this role of being fathers is important. Not just for you guys who are biological parents. I'm saying this role of fathering in our culture, in our society is crucial. It's absolutely crucial. I want to give you three applications today for my message. The first application, I want to talk to fathers, husbands, and men. All right? Men are uniquely qualified for the following, okay? This doesn't mean that women are disqualified from this, from this or can't do this. This doesn't mean women are disqualified because women can do these things too, but men are uniquely qualified for these things. Here they are. The role of fathers, husbands, and men is to provide, protect, and to promote, okay? Provide, protect, and promote. Provide emotionally, spiritually, and physically, okay? Protect emotionally, spiritually, and physically, I know a lot of guys who provide physically for their families, but they're not providing emotionally, they're not providing spiritually. I just want to call you higher today, man. Like, if you're there and you're working, and they're like, that's good, hey, that's admirable that you're providing for your family. Like, that is a good thing. Of course, keep doing that. But I want to encourage you to provide spiritually. I want to encourage you to provide emotionally as well for your family, okay? And I want to encourage you to, to be a promoter within your family to be a promoter within your culture. Provide, protect, and promote. That's the call of men and fathers. If we do that correctly, then our ceiling will become the next generation's floor. We will leave this place better than we found it if we, if we correctly promote the next generation. Amen? This is, this is what, and I believe this is what happened with, since the 1940s to now. The problem is that many fathers and husbands have, have, have missed it. And this is what they did. Go ahead and put up that next slide. Instead of providing emotionally, spiritually, and physically, many men have dropped out. Instead of protecting emotionally, spiritually, and physically, many men have done damage to relationships, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And instead of promoting, many men have chosen to dominate. Okay? Many men have chosen to dominate. The Bible never 
instructs us men to dominate. To, to, it, it, it teaches us to protect, to cover, to promote, okay? It's so good. So if you're a man here today, and you're a father here today, your role isn't just important. Your role is absolutely critical in your family and in this world around you, okay? I just want to encourage you. We need you in this church. We need you in this city. We need mentors. We need fathers. We need you to rise up to the plate, okay? So important. I want to talk real quick to moms, wives, and women. This is the second application. Women, you are also uniquely qualified to bring to the table some things that men aren't as good at, okay? There are some things women are better at. Doesn't mean men are disqualified from them either, but you are uniquely qualified to bring to the table the same things. When you have both of those roles in place, the masculine and the feminine, it is a one-two punch for raising kids and to bringing um, life and health into our culture. Amen? In fact, Genesis chapter uh, 2.18 we talked about God making a helper that's suitable for the man. The word uh, suitable actually means um, opposite of. Like, why would we try to blend these roles and blend these, um, these gender uh, pronouns? It actually means opposite. We're supposed to have opposite functions at the opposite ends of the, ends of the spectrum, okay? The, the word suitable is in front of, inside of, and opposite to, Okay? That's what helper, that's what suitable means in that context. So we need both the feminine and the masculine working together to raise children in our society and our culture. Okay, now I'm gonna give you application number three. Application number three, I wanna to talk to single parents. If you're a single mom or you're a single dad in this room, this is none of what I've said is to discourage you, to frighten you. Um, because listen, you can get more done with God, right? You can, he is a father to the fatherless. We'll read that scripture in a second. He's a father to the fatherless. <clears throat> I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God, okay? Listen, hey, happy Father's Day, Dad. My dad's sitting right here, like four, four rows from the back. <laughs> My dad um, was and is a good dad, okay? And I like to consider myself a good father for the most part. But you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, Right? It is so important, in spite of even having a good dad, good, bad, or ugly, it is so important that we understand the goodness of the perfect father who's in heaven. And he is a father to the fatherless. You can get more done with God as your father than you could in a home where the father is absent, okay? Or even with a father in a home where things are messed up, right? If, that's worse. You can actually do more damage by having a, a father in the house who's messed up, okay, than just having a single parent. God can make up the difference, all right? So, and by the way, please don't run out of here and feel inferior and go get in a, a hasty relationship either. That is probably the worst thing you could do. God knows your needs. He knows your needs, and he has timing, right? So don't run out of here and get, go and get into a hasty relationship because you, you need a you know, dad for these kids. Listen, God knows that need, and he's going to bring that person at the right time. And so Psalms chapter 60, I'll just read this real quick. It says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of window, widows, and I would add single moms to that list, is God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely in families. He leads the prisoners with singing. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He sets the lonely in families. Amen? All right. Well, why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm just going to pray over you and... Uh, the role of the father is super crucial, super important, not only for your biological children, but for us in this culture, in this society.
So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every individual in this room, Lord. What a gift, Lord God. What a gift, God, are you as a father in heaven, Lord. And I just pray for the men here, the God, that we would be um, the, the men, the husbands, the fathers, Lord God, that we would protect, God, we would provide and we would promote. God. And I just call any man higher here to protect, provide, and to promote. And God, we thank you for the women in this room, Lord God, that they are uniquely qualified, Lord, to bring to the table gifts that men don't typically have, Lord God. And I bless them, and I thank you, Lord God, they would just lean into that, Lord God, and see that unique gifting and calling on them, Lord. And Father, we also thank you for the single parents, single moms, the single dads in this room, Lord God. And I thank, there is, I thank you, God, there is empowering grace, Lord God to raise kids in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. And I know I know single parents who are doing better off than a lot of parents with two, you know, two people in the home. And so, Lord, I thank you for them, Lord God. I pray grace and encouragement over them today, Lord God. We bless them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. You're a good papa. You're a good papa, Father. Just pray for that revelation that rests on all of us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.